0: The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. It's so wonderful to see everyone this morning. and An essential part of our science of mind and spirit philosophy is the teaching of a concept that we call first cause. And uh, Ernest Holmes, our founder, speaks to it in our, our textbook. He says, The study of the science of mind is a study of first cause, spirit, mind, or that invisible essence, that ultimate stuff and intelligence from which everything comes, the power back of creation, the thing itself. And I can't begin to express to you uh, the value in my life of knowing when even though I'm not present to it, that, that love is always there. That even though I may be caught up in something else, that joy is always available. To know that no matter how confused or in chaos I may seem, that peace is ever present. This is the first cause in action. And it sounds like a slight change, but to me, there's a big difference between saying, I believe in a God that was the first cause of everything and the statement that I believe that God is the first cause in everything, is the first cause in everything. Bertrand Russell was a famous philosopher of the last century, a brilliant man, an atheist, and he liked to create arguments from time to time against the existence of God. And one of the ones that is most popular, he he calls it the first cause argument. He said, if it's so, that God is the first cause of the universe, and it's true that everything in life has a first cause, and it's true that God created the world, then therefore God would have to have a first cause too. Therefore, there is no God. (laughs) Score one for Team Atheist. Give Richard Dawkins a high five, right? And there are lots of ways to uh, counteract that argument. But one of the ways that we would in Science and Mind is for us, God isn't just the first cause, but God is first cause. That time of creation, when God created the heavens and the earth, isn't just a time set in mystical memory, but it's an ever-present reality. That creation story is taking place in your life and my life right now. That word in the beginning that was with God and was God isn't just in some mythical past, but it's spoken in our very hearts today. We don't believe so much in a God that was, but in a God that is. An ever-present first cause always available to us in our lives. Again, from Ernest Holmes, he says, there's a living spirit at the center of your being. The original author of all life is in and around you. Not a God who was, but a God who is. This is the great secret you share with life. Life is wherever you are. It revolves around you even as it flows through you. Keep the doorway of your mind open feeling, thinking, communing with this life. Know that it fills you with light and power. This isn't just positive speaking goobly-gook. It's, it's our belief that there's always that first cause present wherever you are. You know, Another way that we explore the concept of first cause here is we, we like to get to the first cause of of any situation or problem or way of thinking, because we believe that's where where healing can happen, where inspiration can happen. At one level, this may look like figuring out that negative belief that might uh, cause you to feel not enough all the time. It it may be about exploring that limited belief that seems to have you dating the same jerk but with a different face (laughs) over and over again, but had a at a deeper level, finding that first cause is about truly settling into your why. You know, when I'm, when I'm getting back to the first cause of my life, I, I'm remembering why I'm here. I'm remembering what I'm really choosing to be in relationship with those around me. I'm remembering who I truly am. You know, I call it getting back to first. To say, you know, I'm going to get back to living my life from a place of love and away from just that cause of wanting to strangle so-and-so because they drive me crazy. I'm going to get back to that place of living from joy as opposed to feeling wrung out because my job is so stressful all the time. I'm going to get back to that place of peace from that place of living in chaos from all the, the wildness that seems to be going on around me. I'm going to get back to what matters most. Getting back to first is also a, a term from the great sport of baseball. So in honor of Dr. Michelle's incredible series on Field of Dreams, I thought we'd use one more baseball analogy before everyone forgets about it and starts thinking about football here in a couple of weeks. So in, in, in baseball, when you're up to bat and you hit a single up the middle, you get to go to first base which is great, right? And, and baseball is a very spiritual game. Uh, and so once you get to first base, where do you want to go from there? Second base, Second base but eventually? Home, home right? And uh, it's a spiritual game. Unfortunately, they don't give you a run by realizing home plate is within you, but it'd be an interesting concept and idea. <laughs> but one of those things, when you, when you get to first base and the pitcher's facing the next uh, batter, you get, to, you get to lead off. And leading off is a, is a very uh, important discipline. Because you, you've got to stay mindful. You've got to be attentive so that you don't get picked off. And the, and the goal is that, that the batter will hit a single or you'll, you'll get to go to that next base. But if you're not paying attention, you're out. And life is kind of like this too. And where baseball and life are a little different is in baseball, you might want to steal second base. But in real life, the goal is not to get stolen by second base by those secondary causes that can draw us away from what the first cause of our life is. Gosh, you know, life sure does suck sometimes. Gosh, I'm sure not feeling appreciated or supported in my life. Gosh, I'm not sure sometimes if my partner really, really loves me the way they're doing and before you know it, you're confused and you're out. You've, you've got a way to get back out up to that again. But the key to an effective and healthy spiritual practice is always remember to get back to first. You know, the truth is, is my partner and I love each other no matter what. The truth is, is yes, maybe I'm not feeling supportive, but maybe it's time for me to be vulnerable and willing enough to ask for help. The truth is, yes, life is challenging sometimes, but to say that life sucks is the most ignorant thing any of us could ever say. To be blind to the consistent constant miracle of life expressing the beauty of our connections the truth that for all of this vast cosmos you and i exist right here and right now what a miracle and you're back to first it sounds like a contradiction but what i've learned in my life is that the quickest way to move forward isn't to move ahead but it's to remember where you started For when we carry that first cause with us and live from it, there's no more creative action that we can be taking in our lives. What are some ways to get back to first? One, get back to first by remembering the truth. One of the things that gets me most picked off in my life is when I get caught up in a story Usually it's some sort of drama, and then there are those, and and it's kind of sad. There are those people who have those hard luck victim stories, and and you know, if you you, you ever want to encounter resistance, try to take their story away from them. And it's not that life isn't hard or that they weren't victimized, but that it's become such an important part of their narrative to be broken, that that they never stop to think that there's a, a greater story that could be told for them. And we get caught up in these stories in little ways, too. Stories about being angry with somebody. Stories about needing to be, be right, you know. And we start, we start the game again. Here I am, leading off. I'm going to be right. It's very important to make this person wrong. I don't care if I drive my life into a ditch. I'm going to win this argument. Ah! What happens? You're out. We miss out on living our lives from a place of truth. And how many of us, and I'll just admit it for myself, have chosen a miserable conclusion in the need to be right as opposed to being open to the happy ending that might be available to me. I remember once I, I had a job where I wasn't fully appreciated or getting paid enough. Oh, you had that job too? Maybe else? Have- <laughs> And I had a meeting with my boss coming up the following week and I made the decision as a spiritual practitioner that I was going to let him have it. (laughs) And that's the weird thing and it's hard for us to admit sometimes that some of us spend a lot of time cultivating being miserable. The story, it's so dramatic, it's so enticing. I'm going to tell him and let them know that that you could fire me if you want. I know this place will fall apart without me and you don't see what I do or appreciate me. And so we're we're rehearsing the story over and over. I'm keeping myself up at night, going over it. And finally, uh, the big day comes and I'm I'm ready to give it to my boss. And I sit down in his office and he comes in and sits down and he says, Josh, I'm going to cut right to the chase. We appreciate you so much and we're going to give you a big raise. (laughs) And I'm quenching my teeth because it takes everything in my power to get up, smile, say thank you very much and, and walk out of the door getting what I really wanted. But it took everything in my power in that moment to get back to first. Doesn't mean I can't still be angry. Doesn't mean I might share my experience of working there, but don't get caught up in creating the sad ending or a martyrdom experience for yourself when the possibility of something greater is always available to you. One of the most important parts for me in in getting back to first in my life has meant getting back to my virtues. Get back to your virtues. If you have a decision that you have to make and you don't know which way to go, Get back to your virtues. Having a problem at work and not sure if you should quit or not, embody your virtue. I'm going to embody honesty in this situation. Having a conflict with your partner and don't know what the solution is, embody love and authenticity. And what I've learned is my virtues, even when I don't know what is going to happen, have always demonstrated the right opportunity, the right way to go. That's the true meaning for me of of following your heart. Follow your virtues. Speaking of love, that's another important way of getting back to first, especially in our relationships. Get back to love. It's so easy for being something that we want so much that we can so get off track in our lives about. Just the weekend before last, uh, my wife, April, and I got to take our beautiful baby, Nancy, who's 11 months old already. Can you believe that? And uh, we got to go to, to dinner. And so we went to a restaurant that April likes and decided to sit at the bar and have a glass of wine. But we must have taken too long because we put our names in. And they said, it's going to be about an hour and a half. And uh, Nancy doesn't like waiting an hour and a half. I don't like wearing, wearing, waiting an hour and a half either. So um, I knew there was a place April liked down the street. So I said, let's go there. So we go and pull up and get Nancy out of her car seat and uh, we walk up and they're out of business (laughs) and then well you know there's a place we passed a few miles back that looked pretty good, a new place and so we pulled up there to baby again up there and they're only open for breakfast and lunch So we continue our adventure, and we find a very busy place. But it's perfect. There's a perfect parking spot available, and we come in. And they greet us with a smile, and there's a booth available with a high chair. And we sit down, and it's just great. But 25 minutes later, the, no one's come to serve us. And uh, 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 Nancy's done. <laughs> And so uh, we, we've got to go. And so the, the baby's crying in the car. There's a hungry mom and dad. And you know, it's so easy when things don't be, seem to be going your way to get into that little bit of blame, <laughs> to cultivate that little bit of distrust, to perhaps even get mad at God. And, and, and what happens all of a sudden? You're out. It, it, it doesn't take a lot, just those little wears and tears, to create a little bit of drama or a little bit of distrust, even in our most intimate relationships. My problem in that moment, and I think I behaved myself pretty well, you can ask my wife after service, we'll see, Uh, (laughs) is sometimes that, you know, it's not about where you go to eat. It's about the love. It's not about where you've got to go. It's about the love. I had a conversation with a dear friend of mine a few weeks ago who lost someone that that she loved. And she shared with me uh, about the the trials and turbulations in the relationship. But she said, you know what, Josh, I think we got the love right. And I love that. I think we got the love right. Are you getting the love right? Because that's what it's all about. And when we're in a place of distrust with someone we love or a a place of conflict. Again, love is sometimes the thing that we want more than anything else, but we'll deny ourselves it because of that need to be right, that need to make somebody else wrong. And it doesn't mean you can't be on the, in love on first and still be angry. You can be. And still need to form healthy boundaries. You can. But don't deny yourself that ability to love someone, even when they're not in a receptive place of it from, from you. I remember experiencing a uh, separation uh, from someone that I care about, and the relationship was so unhealthy that, that just interaction couldn't happen. And so it was in my meditation time that I could get back to first. You know, I know that beyond the seeming fractured surface of things, me and this person are one. I know that deep down, whatever conflict or disagreement or misbehaving we may be sharing with one another the the deep down truth is that we love one another that's the first cause and you can't get rid of it no matter how hard you try so that was the practice just to surround this person in meditation time with love and peace and i'm not saying it always works out this way but eventually there was healing first in my heart and then in our experience getting back to first helps us do the healing work that we need to do in our hearts so that we can lead off and keep going home with greater confidence and greater clarity. So get back to truth, get back to love, and lastly, get back to first by getting back to God. Get back to God, your sacred center, your awareness of what the infinite is to you. God, you are the center of my life, the circumference of my being, the beginningless and endless part of me. Getting back to God on a regular basis uh, means recognizing a, a divine contradiction, as I like to call it. The contradiction is God is always with me, but I am not always with God. God is always with me, but I am not always with God. God's kind of like first base. Can't have a baseball game without first base. It's always there. But I drift. I move away. And it's up to me to get back there. For me, there's nothing more important in my life to do that than a a daily spiritual Practice. It's kind of like a dusting for the soul. I love how that wise sage George Carlin put it. He put, Dusting is a good example of the futility of trying to put things right. As soon as you dust, the fact of your next dusting has already been established. (laughs) Another great sage, Al Ghazali, a Sufi teacher, said, Your heart is a polished mirror you must wipe it clean of the veil of dust that is gathered upon it because it is destined to reflect the light of divine secrets. When we take that little bit of time, and it only takes a little bit of time, folks, that's part of the divine contradiction as well. If you give a little bit of yourself to God, God has this way of giving all of herself to you. When we take that time to put away the to-do lists, to let the conflicts wait for us, to simply be present in awareness the best we can of what is sacred and valuable and meaningful in our lives. There's no greater blessing for how we do that. I do that for prayer and meditation, but to be honest, there are so many activities that you can do, anything that you can do in awareness of the sacred, in honor of yourself, in honor of, a, of an eternal sense of time can be a, a spiritual practice. We've got a, a list for you. Here's some different things coming up here that you can do. Meditation, gardening, journaling, contemplative reading, doesn't matter, Fifty Shades of Grey, Ernest Holmes, whatever it is that inspires you. Walking, gratitude, singing, running, yoga, prayer, music, visualizing, laughing, coffee, silence, forgiveness, more coffee. What else? What's your thing? I'm sorry? Bicycling? Yeah. Dancing? Swimming? Great. Beautiful. See, we can start here and then go all the way around. We'll get everybody's answer and be out of here by one. Be great. <laughs> and, and for me, that, that morning spiritual practice, for me, I like to say, not only is it the most important thing that I do each day, but for me, and this is from my heart, in, in some ways it's the only thing I do each day. Because what I do in that sacred time helps lay the foundation for everything else that happens that day. Every reaction, every response, every laughter, every tear comes from my ability to lay forth my awareness of what the first cause of my life is going to be that day. Now, do I mess up throughout the day? Yes, I get picked off several times. But the idea is to keep getting back and giving yourself that time to nurture that consciousness. I love a prayer that was written by John Henry Newman. So if if you keep track in in Catholicism, he's about to be made a saint. And he he wrote a prayer that's recited daily uh, by the Missionaries of Charity, which is the sacred order started by Mother, or now Saint Teresa. And they recite the following words uh, every day. Dear Lord, Help me to spread your fragrance wherever I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that all my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may feel your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only you, Lord. Stay with me, then I shall begin to shine as you do, so shine as to be a light to others. The light, O Lord, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you in the way you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by example, but the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears to you. With that consistent practice, You can, too, write amazing prayers (laughs) like this. But it's just about making it first. You can still go and watch Netflix. You can still go and have a, a, a constructive argument with someone. But start in that place where the divine is in your life. Start and end every day where you began. In that heart of that which knows you are a beloved child of the Most High. A precious expression of the infinite. Get back to truth by remembering the greatest story that exists for your life. Get back to love by realizing that none of this other stuff is worth it in the end and that love is all that matters. Get back to first by acknowledging that divine presence. In your body, in your relationships, in all that you do. And when you do this, you open yourself up to experience its light, its grace, and its blessing, multiplying again and again in glorious ways. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church Podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.